0: Hello everyone and welcome to a day in the life. Today I'm joined by Abigail Tyson who is a narrative designer and I met Abigail through a mutual friend of ours and we just hit it off because we have a lot of the same interests. She's now a narrative designer at Arcane Studios. Welcome Abigail.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rachel.
0: Yeah, so I just kind of feel like you've had this career journey that I've always wanted to have but never had the guts to pursue by like starting off in publishing because I love to read and you love to read and we we bonded over that and then you worked your way into gaming which I also really enjoy so I just love to hear uh, some more about your journey and and how you got to where you are now.
1: Sure um. So, yes, I started in book publishing. Um, I originally started as an assistant publicist, um, which I didn't really want to do if I'm totally honest. I really wanted to be an editorial. Um, but being a publicist was actually it was so much fun. I got to do really strange, fun things, like I set up a choose your own adventure online book tour with a bunch of blogs who were uh, really psyched about this one author that I was representing. And I got to like, do all of that in basically a week. And it was just an idea I had. And, you know, my boss was like, I mean, I don't understand that at all, but yeah, go for it. So that was, so there were a lot of really fun things to do, but I was working on like adult contemporary books and I'm a YA fiction kind of lady. And I really wanted to be an editorial. So I moved over into editorial for YA and children's. Um, And unfortunately, without going into like the most detail ever, it was a horrible experience. (laughs) Um, It was a really terrible job. Um, Turns out the industry, uh, especially honestly on like the children's and YA side, which I'm very surprised by, turns out the industry is very competitive, very mean, very aggressive. And um, the care I sort of thought that went into these books really doesn't, it goes into their own careers. Um, and that was just so, I was so disillusioned. I was a baby and I was devastated. And, uh, so, you know, before my love of books, especially children's books and YA, like completely went out the door. Um, I left that job, uh, after a little over a year and I didn't know what I was going to do at all. Um, I had always wanted to work in games, but I had no idea how to start that at all um, until I moved to Atlanta. And I had a good friend, Megan, who uh, took me under her wing and she got me a QA contractor position at Adult Swim Games. And I know a lot of people probably don't know that Adult Swim makes games, but they do. um, Or rather, they publish games. They are not a studio. Um, And I QA'd an app that was originally kind of like an OTT app for Adult Swim. And uh, I got to just watch a lot of TV all day, which was kind of fun. It was a lot harder than that, but that was like the highlight. Uh, But then after about six months of working on that app and doing a lot of QA work on that app and only a little bit on games, um, I was actually brought on full time and I got to be a production assistant. So that was like a lot of QA and a lot of uh, management, a lot of making sure that Deadlines were being hit. That Q, you know, QA was working on what they needed to work on in the order they needed to work on it, and research, um, research grouping, all like a ton of stuff. It wore lots and lots of hats, and it was really fun. But I kind of liked marketing a little bit more. Like back when I had fun with publicity, I was like, actually, I think I kind of want to do that. So I moved over into marketing and then uh, went over to Bethesda uh, Softworks and was a community manager for several years. And that was super fun. I uh, got to work on Prey Moon Crash and Elder Scrolls Blades and the upcoming Death Loop, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, I was an absolute blast. And I loved everybody that I worked with. It was So much fun, Uh, but then I had the opportunity to be a narrative designer over at Arcane Studios, which kind of made sense since I was already working on arcane games, just on the marketing side. And uh, I took it (laughs) and that was earlier this year. So now uh, that's what I do.
0: Super exciting. So there were a couple acronyms that you mentioned that I'm not sure if if people know. So there's one that's YA and then OTT. I knew YA, but I didn't know OTT. So could you explain this?
1: Totally. YA is young adult fiction. So uh, books for teenagers, for the most part, kind of 12 to 17 is generally what's considered YA. Um, Some people say 14 to 17, but either one works. Uh, And then OTT is an over-the-top app. It's like... uh, Uh, like HBO Max, it's where it's an app where you can watch all the HBO content. Uh, Those are called over the top apps. Um, So Mm. I was working on one for Adult Swim that was actually just in Canada. Um, And I don't actually know what happened to it after that. (laughs) But I know it was live in Canada for a while.
0: (laughs) When you first said like over the top, I was thinking like, well, Adult Swim can be pretty extra. (laughs) So I was thinking the other (laughs) meaning of over the top.
1: <laughs> no, that's just what those apps are are generally okay. called. Got it. That's cool.
0: Okay, yeah. so before talking about your uh, current role, I, I am curious to know a little bit more about like what what's involved with being a community manager. You mentioned that it's kind of that wearing that marketing hat, but what do you do with that?
1: So being a community manager is like being a liaison between the fans and the publisher or the studio wherever it is you are, and you make sure that fans know about cool games that are coming up, maybe cool DLC or updates to live games, you know, making sure the information is out there, but in a fun way, you know, you don't want to just sound only like, hello, user, new content available, goodbye, user, you know, you want to have like some fun stuff there. Um, Sometimes it also includes working with PR um, on, you know, some fun like press stunt that you want to do. Um, Sometimes it works it includes working with um, influencer managers. If you want to work with content creators like on Twitch or YouTube, uh, you know, you go to them. Um, so it's a lot of collaborating with a bunch of different people in marketing to do different kinds of content for consumers so that they, they like your game, they're interested in your game, they want to hear more, and so that they feel comfortable telling you what they want or when bugs happen or you know, if they're not happy with something because having that open communication is really the only way for you know, players to feel you know, happy and comfortable playing your game.
0: Okay, so let me see if I understood that right. So you're like in mark, you're you're kind of within or working with marketing a lot, and there's still the different groups like PR, and then I'm guessing social media is still its own thing. There's like all these different groups, but then your main focus is like representing the community and engaging with them. So you work with those people to engage with the community.
1: Exactly. So you know, I come up with an idea. Let's say for Prey Moon Crash, that was the DLC for uh, for Prey um, several years ago, back in. 2018, uh, I really want. I came up with this idea to kind of uh, make an alternate reality game, kind of for the DLC, so that fans who maybe or big fans of Prey, but aren't sure if anything's gonna happen next or people who had never heard of Prey would see these clues, these kind of little breadcrumbs that I would leave them. They'd be like, oh, what does this weird code mean? Or what does this like distorted image mean? And it would take them to like a secret Twitter account. And like that would have more clues and all of them led up to E3 of 2018 where we simultaneously announced and launched the DLC. Um, So that, but that involved me working with PR, Brand uh, influencer management—you know, all all sorts of people—to really make that happen. Even if those, like, my idea and I executed it, I couldn't do it alone.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's and that's a really cool campaign, or not? I don't know if you call it campaign. Yeah, or oh, campaign! Yeah, <laughs> campaign. for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's really cool. Like, I, I I think like it's really like they get to put on their detective hats and like go around and, and that, that sounds really exciting as a fan yeah. I think that'd be fun to do <laughs> it,
1: it was it was also really fun to put together and it was really fun seeing people engage with them be like oh, what does this mean I'm like I know what it means and I can't wait to tell you <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: yeah that sounds really exciting so yeah now let's talk about your current role like what made you make that switch and um, what are your main responsibilities so
1: I uh, am a writer at heart, I've loved writing my entire life. I attempted my first novel when I was like seven. I didn't get very far. And I kept going to my mom and being like, I need another word for said, because I know you're not just supposed to said, he said, she said. And she's just like, declared. I'm like, okay, how about for asked? Like, I don't, okay. <laughs> she would just like sit with me and just be my thesaurus for a while. Um, and I tried to also show it to my grandfather. And he was very nice about not understanding a word that I was trying to say, but he was like, keep going. And I did. Uh, I kept writing. Uh, that was kind of my main thing in college. And uh, so when I had the opportunity to write for video games, when narrative video games are my whole life, the things I cared about the most, like the biggest piece of media that I care about are narrative games, uh, I was just so immediately like of course yes I will do that I will absolutely do that like I will do anything to make sure that can be my job um so and you asked about main responsibilities uh so everything I help with everything (laughs) I have uh you know I touch dialogue I touch um you know pick upables you know the things that you pick up and read um I touch um you know Uh, basic like overall story and sometimes like very specific story like oh hey we have you know this sort of vignette going on what can we add to it like what can we really do to make it a story and then I come in and I help figure that out Um, so it's really everything that could be narratively related to anything Um, even like in-game text of just when you look up at something any text that comes up what that text looks like how it connects one story to another maybe all of that uh I I help with
0: yeah so I I remember like the first time thinking about that as a career is when I was playing the sims and seeing just like the descriptions for all the items and I was just like that person has the most fun writing those things
1: (laughs) I know especially um when they in Sims 4 when emotions were a whole thing that like really added a whole element of, of description that you have to have for for every sim going through every single emotion even the ones that kill them I just uh good example <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks. yeah and like in some of those like the more like in-depth story ga- fantasy games have a lot of lore to them too that you you like if if you're a nerd like me and like learning about the lore you go and like read the books
1: yes exactly yeah. I get to I get to help out with that stuff That's and because so cool. I also love it so that is so much fun. Um, it's exactly as much fun as you think it is. I'm not going to lie to you. It (laughs) is, it is awesome. Well, that's, that's great. I'm really happy for you. (laughs) 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 So yeah,
0: yeah, just for people who want to get into this. Um, I mean, you already talked about your career path, but from what you've seen in the industry, what kind of educational background or experience is required to do what you're doing?
1: So yes, I do have a bit of a funny path. Um, though, what I've noticed that with a lot of people I talk to kind of like, Oh, how'd you get in the industry? Everyone has sort of a funny path. So there isn't really like a, like a standard. Um, and I think that goes for education as well. Um, I know several people in the industry who either did not finish or, or had no interest in college. Um, and that did not affect their ability to get hired or to do their job or anything at all. Um, so, and then I, I've seen the exact opposite where I people with doctorates, in the industry um, who, you know, some feel like, yes, my doctorate really helped me. And some people were like, no, it didn't. Um, so I think your mileage may vary a little bit there. Uh, I just have a bachelor's degree. Um, I went to a school called Hampshire College where we made up our, um, our majors. So my major was on psychology, like young adult psychology and uh, fiction. Hmm, I wonder where I was going with that. <laughs> um, and I will say all of, the, all of the work I did in college on my writing helped enormously. Could I have gotten that same education somewhere else if I just taken, you know, on a class at, you know, the Y and take and maybe I could have totally gotten the exact same thing. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but I do know that going to college for me meant my writing improved times a billion.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like now career paths aren't as traditional as maybe they once were, because I can say the same thing for my field is like people just don't have the same career path, but that's good to know. It's just kind of like you you uh, have the excitement and the, I guess, experience or you get your foot in the door like you did and, and kind of eventually get to where you are now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Like some, and people really hate to hear it. And I completely understand because I would also hate to hear it, but sometimes it is who, you know, you know, a little bit, if you, if you have a good friend who would totally vouch for you, that can make all the difference. So something else to consider, make friends with cool people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah um so yeah let's like talk about games so since i've I've been curious about i guess working at a place that's also your passion or something you enjoy doing and and so you enjoy playing games but it's also work for you is it is that a challenge does do you ever feel like you get burnt out
1: um yes and no um yes In that, uh, so I actually just started and completed a game uh, called Last Stop this past weekend uh, that I absolutely adored and highly, highly recommend for people who like stories. It's visual novel adjacent, where there isn't a lot of like, you know, there isn't any combat or, you know, a whole lot of doing stuff. Mostly it's narrative kind of pushing you forward and you making decisions. Um, But I kept finding myself whenever I was like walking down the street and I would see, you know, names of shops on awnings, I'd be like, someone had to write that. I would have to write that. And like, I can't, like, but that, that happened constantly. It didn't really happen with dialogue as much, I guess, because dialogue is just, that's just talking. That's, that's everywhere. <laughs> you know, can't really avoid it when it comes to kind of the world building and the world creation. Sometimes I literally cannot stop my brain from being like, Oh, I know what kind of, what kind of effort that was. And, uh, you know, what? good job. I'm like, I mean, it's not a bad thought, but I would like to just play this game <laughs> and not yeah. have those thoughts all the time. Um, and it doesn't happen literally all the time, but it it, it can be often. <laughs> and so I don't really get like burnt out, but I do wish I could kind of quiet my brain a little bit where it's like, yes, yes, I know. I know. We don't need to think about that right now though.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have like a heightened awareness or something. Of exactly. <laughs> Just like calm down.
1: Yeah, like it's okay. We already know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um so one thing um, that's also that's a that's a big topic is being a female in the gaming industry. What's that been
1: like? Well, I can say with a heavy heart that I am uh I have run into some upsetting times in my career um not usually actually almost not entirely like at work um usually like where I think a lot of these stories are coming from too are at events uh where people just think that they have some sort of ownership over you when they absolutely don't um, and I'm very, very lucky that when it comes to people I work with, I have been safe and cared for and haven't run into any scary problems. It's usually people I, uh, who I don't work with. Um, and so that sucks, you know, that really sucks. Uh, that shouldn't happen to anybody. Um, and, and, it, and it's been hard having friends come forward and me being like, I had no idea, but then on some level, of course I did because we've all kind of gone through something. Um, and but I will say, outside of upsetting things that happen at events, uh, which is usually where upsetting things happen from from my experience, um, actually being at like the studio or at the publisher as just a person doing her job, totally great. No problems. Like I I have I I have been so lucky uh, that I've worked places that really care about everybody. We should all be able to work together in harmony and have no weirdness and no problems. And uh, I've been just absolutely floored with how well, honestly, I, I've been treated and I see um, other women treated as well. Um, so so sort of i will call him A, will come B. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I can. I guess that makes sense, and it's good that like where you spend the majority of your time, you feel like it's overall like healthy, and you're. Oh yeah. yes,
1: <laughs> the vast like ninety eight percent of the time, I am doing just fine as a woman in the industry. I am not running into any problems. I do not feel treated differently. I don't, you know, feel any any pain or suffering at all. Um, but it's just that little extra time and also you know when it comes to events like just it's just harder to to keep to protect yourself you know it's just harder to to take good care of yourself because there's so much going on you're so tired you have a lot of work to do there's so much like happening around you all the time that it's it's just easier than in your regular life um so I'm glad that's only like two percent of the time (laughs)
0: yeah um yeah so going on to just like what's a day in the life like for you like in your job and then um I know you've changed jobs since the pandemic, but I guess in general, how has it changed due to the pandemic?
1: Well, yeah, the job that I have now I got during the pandemic, so um I don't know what life is like at Arcane Studios in their office <laughs> um, I will eventually I will eventually know what that is like um, but something that uh is I really appreciate it is the fact that um, they, at Arcane and, you know, in Bethesda, basically the Bethesda umbrella that I've experienced, um, lots of understanding, lots of being like totally fine with, you know, X, Y, and Z, like a very, it's a very supportive place to work. I don't really have to be afraid uh like back during the non-pandemic times, if I was like feeling kind of sick, but it's like, oh, crap, but today is an important meeting day, I can just call in and they're like, we can absolutely fix that. Like, don't worry about it. All we care about is you getting better. So Arcane is very similar and that's been wonderful. Um, and when it comes to, so when it comes to the pandemic, you know, sometimes like, hey, my brain just doesn't work anymore. And they're like, don't worry, ours doesn't either. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, and so a day in life for me is, um, it changes a little bit depending on what's needed, um, but a lot of times it is me writing and creating, you know, content the entire day um, with a couple the occasional meeting in between, um, you know, I have one-on-ones uh, with my boss, um, you know, we have like, you know, all hands where we go over what, we, what we've all been doing, working on, but for the most part, it is nose to the grindstone, um, and it is a lot of me kind of waking up, looking at my to-do list, looking at my checklist, what needs to be written, and writing it. (laughs) So it's just a lot of that forever and ever. And which is great because that's exactly what I want out of a job.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I think people are different, but I'm pretty similar in that. Like I'd
1: rather just, you know,
0: have my work and do it rather than having a bunch of meetings.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And like, I'm a fan of meetings when like stuff might be a little too complicated to go over in text or on, on an email when it's like, Oh man, I could explain this in a four paragraph email, or we could have a 10 minute meeting. And those like, that's when I'm like, meetings are great, but meetings can be, you know, they can be a lot sometimes. <laughs> yeah,
0: be a lot. I don't like it when people have meetings, just an aside, just like, because uh, they don't feel like reading something, but like, yeah, when there's like a meaningful kind of, okay, we need to actually work something out. Of course you need to get together.
1: to so, like talk it out easier, especially because I think um, everyone's tone is so different in text that sometimes they can also read like, oh gosh, is this like a really big deal? Is somebody very upset? And that person is just like having a jolly day. They just have a very blank tone uh-huh. when it comes to their emails. Yeah. So sometimes talking can help with that.
0: That's, that's very true. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, now let's just talk about life in general. So what do you do outside of work to decompress?
1: I read, <laughs> of course I read um, and I, I do play games um, and I write. So I do actually a lot of the things <laughs> that my job requires of me. I just do different versions of it for my relaxing time. Um, I love to bake. Baking is really fun. Um, I especially like baking because at the end you just have something like delicious and happy. Like how great is that? You get to put in all this effort all this productivity and at the end you have a yummy treat like that's just that's better than anything Uh um and oh I play Dungeons and Dragons uh which is very very fun um I sometimes play with my fiance uh we actually had this like two-year campaign that ended somewhat recently it ended in the pandemic um and we killed the boss so fast like the final 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 boss so fast that the DM was like Okay, we're going to do this again on hard mode. Like, yay. <laughs> and we still actually beat them pretty quickly. So we were just really OP at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and board games. Board games are a big one. We you can't see it, but off-screen right here is just an entire cabinet full to the brim of board games. Nice.
0: <laughs> I've been uh I I joined a board game group, and and we're like we're in the Bay Area where I live, and um, it's been a lot of fun. But then during the pandemic, of course, we, we couldn't meet up, but we played a lot of stuff on Board Game Arena, which is pretty fun.
1: I love Board Game Arena. There's uh, there's one game that I uh, that my fiance played with another friend called Innovation on Woo. Board Game Arena, and um, I wanted to get into it, and we got a physical version, and uh, he beats me so much. I've never won. I've never won this game. I hear it's a great game. I can't, I can't (laughs) trust that because I cannot win. Um, so I'm thinking of sneaking on with that same friend on board game arena and playing behind my fiance's back so I can get better. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's the nice thing about board game arena is you can play with just like randos too. And like, I've kind of done that because I, I just like, even though I've been kind of going to these board game meetups, I still just like, there's so many I don't know. And then maybe I play it with them once, and then like months go by and we don't play that game again. And then I'm like, I don't remember the rules. So I've been kind right. of like doing that myself.
1: Just that like makes sense. <laughs> <It's> <laughs>
0: <So> like, smart. <laughs> I do go into these games. It's just like, all right, I don't know anything. I'm just going to have fun. And I love it because it's a group of women, and women are just like, I don't know, this like this kind of there's just a nicer energy about like playing with women, less competitive, more about having fun. And so I just feel like, okay, like I, I always have fun even when I'm confused out of my mind, but I still <laughs> wanna practice and get better.
1: Yeah, definitely. And something I've learned kind of related to the competitive aspect is I think I need to be a little, I, I like collaborative. I think, I think I now lean more towards collaborative games than like who's gonna win games. Um, Cause I get so mad <laughs> and there's no fun for anybody. So
0: yeah, yeah I, I uh, was recently introduced to collaborative games and they're so much fun. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> So, well, speaking of your fiance, you're getting married. How's um, the wedding planning going? What are you most
1: excited about? <laughs> it's going very well. Um, we got engaged in November of 2019, and at the time had already decided we weren't gonna get married until 2021 um, before the before COVID was even a problem. Um, And so, because we wanted to give ourselves plenty of time to plan. And also we wanted to kind of enjoy a long engagement, enjoy kind of like being engaged and having that, you know, time in our life. Um, So luckily, the planning has been great because it's been super gradual over basically two years. Um, So we're at the very end now, getting married in 45 days and uh, have only like kind of the little stuff left. Um, We're closing up our... RSVPs soon so then we actually will know who's there so we can get our little like table cards and all that good stuff things that need to be like numbered based on actually how many guests I can't really do until we know so uh, that's basically all that's left other than actually just getting married
0: (laughs) exciting and yeah I bet it feels good to just kind of have it mostly together and not too much to, to stress out about exactly yeah Okay. So we were, you were talking about um, young adult literature and media and what what draws you to that genre?
1: So being a teenager is a very complicated time in basically any teenager's life. Um, That is, that's like a sweeping statement I think I can confidently make Um, because you have hormones driving you absolutely out of your mind. You have all these emotions, like much, much bigger feelings than you're used to. And you are feeling them about much smaller things than you're used to. Um, You have crushes and you don't know what to do with those feelings at all. You have friends who are kind of mean to you and friends who, you know, love you more than anything in the world. And you're not really sure why the two exist at the same time. Like so much because, and also you're making tons of mistakes, like so, so many mistakes and learning from them very, very slowly. And all of that creates an incredible media. Like that's, that's fun to read about, right? The, it, the, the complications, the the will they, won't they, The my feelings are so complicated, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be feeling anymore. You're like, yes, yes, I want to read more of that. And, you know, then you throw in things like my favorite genre is mystery. So then you throw in, you know, a dead friend, or like a missing family member or something and then so all the regular feelings you're supposed to be going through as a teenager are suddenly even worse because something insane is happening or really really upsetting is happening and when it comes to adult literature there's nothing wrong with it but adults at a certain point have kind of figured themselves out to some extent the feelings aren't quite as big or confusing you know your crushes are a little more manageable and so I'm less interested. <laughs> I, I, there's less internal conflict, um, and also I just think on top of all of this that teens need books like, you know, like YA to really because they don't want to ask all the questions to adults they don't trust or friends who have the wrong answers. You know, they having those books there to kind of tell them maybe some stuff that they are afraid to ask in the first place is awesome. So I just support that in general.
0: Yeah, and, and that, makes, that reminds me of something I was thinking about when you were talking about your experience working in the publishing world in, in young adult um, area, and it's, it's kind of like you go as a teenager to these books for support and encouragement and like seeing yourself in these characters, and then it, I can definitely see how it would be very disillusioning and disappointing to, to go into that industry, and the industry is not like that at all.
1: No, in fact, something I'm very passionate about um, and has kind of become a bit of discourse in YA is uh, an adult audience, that YA has to also appeal to adults. And I don't think that's true. And I don't think that's fair at all. It is more of a byproduct that adults like us like YA fiction. I would be very upset to find out that a book was actually written for me secretly, but like featured kids. That's not what needs to happen. Teenagers need books for them to deal with the things that they specifically are dealing with, not the things that adults are dealing with. Um, And when I was in the industry, we would have these meetings where editors would uh, be like, hey, here's a book I'd like to sign. What do y'all think? And I would just see marketing people be like, there's no adult appeal, so no. I'm like, I'm sorry, this perfectly fantastic book about a teenager experiencing teenager things doesn't, you know, doesn't make adults feel seen enough. So we aren't going to publish it, infuriating. (laughs) So that's my diatribe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. can understand that it's like there are maybe maybe we need to be making the adult genre have more of these kind of like internal monologues and stuff because I know that like going through my 20s I've had a lot of like changing moments and maybe I don't yeah I don't see that enough in like books and I remember being in college and being like where are my like college early adult books about this like I felt this I felt like I don't know like I I disappointed or or like just not not like seen like you said or like there, there's no books out here for me anymore
1: <laughs> right and the ones that exist there was briefly new adult that kind of I think died I think some it's trying to be you know reignited a little bit but it's not anything right now but that honestly ended up being pretty smut heavy which I have nothing wrong with that at all very supportive of smut But sometimes you really just wanted to read about a 22-year-old going through something really intense that wasn't just like chapters and chapters and chapters of Smut. Um, And that's what New Adult was for at least its beginning. Um, And then there was something, you know, there is obviously Fangirl. I don't know if you ever read Fangirl. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, you know, she's in her first year of college. um, And I always thought that was like, is this YA? Kind of, I guess, because she's like not her maturity level isn't necessarily at the level of like an 18 or 19 year old. So like, maybe I get that, Um, but I loved it. And I thought, I was like, this is more what I meant. Like, can we have some of this where, you know, the 18 to like 24 year olds can really shine with their problems Mm -hmm.
0: yeah because that's just like it's an age ripe with a change as well and i I loved fangirl because it's like she she i mean i love the book but then i also loved what she did with the sequels where like they she expanded upon the universe she created in there as like the the fan story it was so cool
1: loved it and i think that's so clever and also again another really like making it about fan fiction or having like fan fiction as a component for a lot of us you know in our you know late 20s early 30s we grew up on fan fiction so like having fan fiction kind of be the thing that's making her feel powerful and in control and like she matters makes so much sense and is such a perfect way of doing that hmm
0: yeah um yeah so i want to also talk about games too and um i'd love to know more about your favorite type of games
1: so okay there are, there are Abigail games. And Abigail games is really a list of games that I can't quite find the through line. You know, they, I think there are people who are like, oh, I love RPGs. I like action RPGs, or I love, you know, puzzle games, or I love narrative games. And that tends to be generally where they reside. Of course, they go outside there, you know, and, and do other games and hang out with other games. But like, generally you can kind of be like, "Eh, that's sort of where my comfort zone is. I don't know where my comfort zone is. I am all over the place. So um, for a long time, I was like, are these just like kind of girl games? And I was like, well, no, not really. Like these are definitely gender-free games that I like. So it's not, I'm not, I don't like them just because I'm a lady human. So that's a long way of saying, um, I like lots and lots and lots of games, but what I, don't—but and I think what the Abigail game list uh, doesn't have, and I think this is it's probably easier to define what kind of games I like for, with what I don't like, is punishing games. I don't like punishing games. I totally, totally get what people do. My fiance lives for punishing games, loves them. And I watch him just struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle, like playing, you know, demon souls. And he's loving every second of it. And I'm over here being like, oh, this, the second time I died, I'd be like, oh, okay, nah, that's fine with me. <laughs> like, I don't need to do this anymore. Um, so uh, the kinds of games I like are narrative games, RJ RPGs, regular RPGs, action RPGs, adventure games, point and click games, puzzle games, mystery games, <laughs> just sort of everything. But if you were to just go off of my list of games to suggest me a new game that, I, that isn't on that list, it would actually be pr- kind of difficult, I think. I think there are some people, like some friends that I have who think of me as someone who loves um, Donkin Rampa, which I do, or the Zero Escape trilogy, which I do, and have like those like puzzle meets narrative games. Awesome. But they'd likely suggest me a game that I actually don't like, even though it's very similar to those. But I can't tell them why I don't really like that game, because I can't figure it out either. <laughs> and that has <laughs> happened a lot. Um, so yeah, so those, I, have, I have lots of favorite games too, it's whenever that uh, like on Twitter goes around like what you know your top five favorite games I'm like right now, I can do that are they is it going to change till tomorrow? Probably
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple of questions there what um, I think I can guess what a punishing game is, but how would you define that?
1: I define punishing games as games when you fail, you are punished, not by punished by necessarily going back to a save point, or like you know restarting the level, or restarting the boss fight. But you lose something. You lose health permanently, or you lose th- that weapon that you've been using. You lose that permanently. Or you, um, if there's a currency in the game, you lose that, and um, and you keep if if you keep failing, eventually you will have nothing. You will have lost everything that you have gained over the course of the game. Don't like that. (laughs) I can't handle that very well. There's some punishments that that are totally within my handling. You know, like um, I haven't played it yet, but I really want to play Sunless Skies. Um, And it is a hard game. You die very, very easily. But when you die, it's almost like part of the point of the game. Like you get a piece of lore that you wouldn't have gotten if you didn't die or like you just learn something new that you wouldn't if you didn't die. So even though it's punishing, like you have to start all over again and that the version of you that was playing is dead now, you got something kind of cool out of it. So that I can more handle better, um, but ones where it's just like, nope, the fact that you suck makes it so that this game is not for you. It's like, ah, okay. <laughs> cuz i suck at yeah. a lot of combat.
0: <laughs> I feel I feel that. Like i i don't want a game that's going to require me to invest hours of grinding or just playing the game over until i get better. Like i i just want to be able to Get through it, play the story. Like I love the yes. games that have levels of like, okay, you just want story mode and you don't care. Like you just want it to be super easy. I'm all about like, all right, story mode. I really don't yes. care about getting through it on an expert level. That's not no. me. Don't want all those trophies or
1: whatever. No. I just want to get enjoy the story. Exactly. Like another another good example that I think that kind of takes both of those thoughts is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Because when I first played on my first playthrough, I had I played on no permadeath and I played on casual because it was my first fire emblem and I heard that they were kind of hard, but I actually did really, really well. And um, I thought like, actually I could could definitely play a harder version of this game. So when I went to New Game Plus, it asked you again, what do you want to be? And I still said no permadeath but I wanted to play a harder version of the combat. Because the thing is, I don't want my little babies to die. I don't want that. Even if I am good enough and I know that I can make it through this game without any of them dying, the constant fear that I could is not for me. Um, so it's kind of this perfect where it's like, I can play a harder combat, but I don't have to lose anybody. And that's like this perfect Mm -hmm. match.
0: I love the Fire Emblem games, they're so great. And I they love the like, three houses, it's kind of like Harry Potter beats Fire Emblem or
1: something. Exactly. <laughs> and everyone yeah. is so perfect that I, uh-huh. I just love all of them. <laughs>
0: I know I'm kind of uh I, I still need to finish my playthrough of the uh the yellow house, the golden deer house. Golden
1: deer, it's my favorite.
0: <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Okay, maybe I think you've reminded me that I, I I just had to stop for a little while, but yeah, I I wanna
1: finish that one. I suggest it the end because it is like very um they're the wholesome house. And so not I can tell you without any spoilers that like It remains wholesome kind of throughout. I (laughs) love that. And I love
0: Claude and all of them.
1: I know Hilda's my personal favorite. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I married Raphael because he's such a body positive king. Uh Like, I loved him. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, you were saying your your top five games changes all the time, but what what do you think it is right now?
1: (laughs) Right now, it is Virtue's Last Reward that I think is actually going to be number one probably for... Ever, um, it is the sequel to the game Nine Nine Nine. It is a escape the room puzzle, um, mystery narrative visual novel. Incredible, absolutely. Like, the story, like I'm, since I've been reading mysteries my entire life, I can generally see with like things are going. Like I can kind of guess the end. It's like a curse, but uh, not, not at all, not even close with this one. It takes you to places you would not have expected. Um, And then after that would be, oh gosh, um, maybe Disco Elysium, um, which is a new edition. I only, I played it during pandemic times, um, but it really, it absolutely changed me and it changed my concept of what a narrative game could do. Um, And the music is like still haunts me. Like I just hear it in my dreams. Uh, So definitely there. and then, let me go into maybe like some older games. Like, um, like C- Civilization Two uh, was my first um, Civ game, and sort of my first management game when I was like seven. And I played it throughout college, even though four and five came out. <laughs> I was still playing two because <laughs> I loved it so much. Uh, and then we have the Pokemon games. I've probably said Pokemon Crystal, um, it's the first time I could be a girl. Um, mm-hmm. And I was super psyched about that, and uh, it also was the first game other than yellow, I guess, that really had like many colors, you know, lots and lots of colors kind of throughout the game. Um, and I remember like that really hitting me. Um, also Gen 2 has just a great Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I feel like I haven't done this whenever I do a list of my favorite games I never include Nancy Drew games and I feel like I should so because they they have mattered so much to me throughout my life so I would definitely say Nancy Drew message in a haunted mansion would be would be my final one um like I still watch playthroughs of it all the time like to calm myself down it's like a one of my self-soothing tactics (laughs) is to watch (laughs) silent playthroughs of Nancy Drew games um so yeah so that's my top five in this current moment
0: nice and I love that you have a mix of like games that were very important to you throughout your life
1: yeah because I because I you know I mean Pokemon especially I still play Pokemon games the new one's coming out faster than I can even keep up with them and I still want to play them Uh, but you know Crystal is definitely where I like really truly was like oh this game rules and everything about Pokemon is just the best ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So just one, one more thing I wanted to ask about, um, a lot of times you have like really crazy hair colors and (laughs) I just would love to know, um, some of your hair care tips for keeping your hair healthy while also playing around with fun colors.
1: Yeah. So right now, um, I'm in a stripping phase where I had, um, I had blue, purple, teal and magenta in here Um, but I'm actually getting it colored all these new colors for my wedding so right now I'm kind of stripping them out so they go back to blonde or kind of silver so it's easier to work with when I go get it done but when I do have funky colors um, I am lucky enough to have a tub with a detachable shower head and because I need to wash my hair in cold water but I refuse to take a cold shower like that's not happening I've tried it I don't it doesn't go well. So um, before I like shower or bathe, I wash my hair with uh, cold water upside down and um, try to get shampoo, even like if it's sulfate free and color, you know, happy shampoo. I still try to only get it on my roots and try not to get it where all the color is because all my color tends to be like under and in the bulk, you know, the bulk of my hair and not my roots. Um, And so and then I use only products that are sulfate-free and are good for color because when it comes to styling curly hair, especially as you well know, a lot of the product goes in here. So you don't want to be using products that are going to be causing problems. Um, but the best thing to do is to not use hot water Mm -hmm. if at all possible.
0: What about when the colors start fading from your hair? Do you have that problem or is there like a dye that's better?
1: So um, it takes usually a while for my hair to fade. Uh, when it does, I actually think it's kind of pretty. Uh, so I don't mind too much because just it's almost like pastel versions of the colors that I had because I get super saturated colors. I don't suggest, even if you want pastel, I suggest you start with saturated and maybe use like a little bit of warm water to kind of pastel it up a little bit rather than going pastel because that will just disappear from your hair pretty quickly. Um, but I also use overtone. Uh, so, but I only use overtone on the parts of my hair that are bleached. So I don't re-bleach my hair. I don't try to put it on my brown hair. I just take the parts that have been bleached and the color is running out and I just do whatever I want, take all the colors that I want and go crazy with overtone. Great advice.
0: Well, (laughs) it's been really great catching up with you. Um, if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you?
1: Oh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Abigail K Tyson. Um, soon that'll be changing. Cause I'm changing my, or I'm hyphenating my name, but I think Twitter will be like, I know who you meant <laughs> and will bring you to me.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, great. Uh, again, thanks for coming on the show. And this was a really fun conversation.
1: It was, thank you so much for having me. I had a blast.
0: <laughs> thanks for watching. Be sure to like, and subscribe. So you don't miss a single show interested in being on the show know someone that might be a good fit, use the nomination form in the description.